Yeah, I think the first uh, rock and roll memory was probably Don Kirscher's rock concert, seeing the New York Dolls. And, you know, my brother, who was into the Stooges and MC5, and where I grew up in the Bronx, like right on 80 Avenue, there was guys like Hansel Dick Manitoba. So, like, the Dictators were there, and all these guys were really, like, music heads. So they searched out bands like the Stooges and MC5 and, um, you know, a lot of, you know, not uh, part of the norm kind of rock. But I went, you know, until I moved out of the Bronx, I realized that, you know, these bands were just, you know, very cultish, very, you know, so when I moved from the Bronx to New Jersey, nobody had heard of the Stooges MC5, but when I think back in the memories, seeing Don Kirshner's rock concert, seeing the Dolls and loving them, I remember my brother uh, was like, this is like, you know, putting it down. And instantly when you have a brother, you know, you always compete against your brother, so maybe half of it was like just battling him, loving the New York Dolls, and then, uh, you know, to have kind of, you know, stamp my own identity. So that's one of the first uh, rock memories. You know, buying the Dolls records, uh, buying you know Zeppelin Four, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. You know, discovering the whole punk rock scene. You remember Corvettes? Remember the, the department store Corvettes? They used to have this big wall, and you know, I used to go in there on Fridays, and, and you know, I guess with my parents or something, and I go right to the record record department, and I saw all this like you know the Ramones and Richard Hell and the Voidoids and uh, Patti Smith and Television and the Dead Boys and just like, you know, just gravitated me to buy. And I think the first one I bought was like Leave Home by the Ramones. And uh, at that point I started, uh, that's when I wanted to play guitar. Everybody says it's for somebody different, but really it was for Johnny Ramone. First concert, um, Led Zeppelin, June 77. I remember, uh, you know, from going to the garden, you know, because I'd been there to see the Knicks and everything, but you know, everybody's smoking pot. And, uh, you know, by the third song and being up all day from like playing baseball or something, I passed out after like the third song at the Zeppelin concert. That was pretty whacked. And then uh, waking up, you know, towards the end of the set and just being blown away. First band I was in, um, first band I really did anything was this band called Bad Biscuit. You know, I mean, I'd been in a bunch of local bands, you know, but that was something that kind of started as a goof, as a way to do covers to people that, you know, to music that people weren't really hip to. Like, you know, the Dolls and the Dictators and, uh, you know, the Ramones, even like Cinderella. That was probably like 89, 1989. The weirdest thing is the first band that I ever played with that sounded great as a band was the Ramones. Because I auditioned when Dee Dee left and I knew all those Ramones songs. So when I got the, uh, you know, I talked to Gary Kerr first, their manager, and he says, you know, go to SIR and audition for the Ramones and show up at 7.30. And I'm like, in the morning? <laughs> And he started laughing, he goes, that was good. And then I was like, you know, really, I was so green, I didn't know better. But that was the first time I ever really played with a band where everybody was in tune, and I knew all those songs because that's really how I learned how to play uh, bass, by playing, you know, that first Ramones record. You take the balance and you move it to the left, and it's just bass and drums. And by listening to those records over and over again, that's how I learned how to play. So when I got that audition with them, you know, I, I was... I knew all those songs, and that was a lot of... That was the first time I ever played in a band that sounded great. Electric Ballroom started in... 1997 from uh, Amy Christie gave me a call who I had met. She was doing uh, publicity for a band that I was in when we had a record out and she had moved down to uh, my neck of the woods and she calls me up and says, hey, what, you know, at that point our record came out and gone wood. It was like rainy day, didn't know what the next career move was going to be. And she says, hey, you know, I talked to the people over at The Rat and they may be interested in giving us a radio show. And, you know, Rat's a great rock channel, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to commit to what I thought it was like, you know, back-selling, front-selling music. But she's like, no, it's our own show. We could play Bowie and Sweet and T-Rex and, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever we want. And between all the people we know, we'll get some great guests. And so we 
they said yes. They were crazy enough to say yes. And within the first two months, we had John Paul Jones there. We had Joey Ramone there. We had uh, John Entwistle and stuff, you know, really blew up. And now that show's been going for over, you know, close to 20 years at this point. Uh, Sirius Radio was, I got the job, I got, um, because through the electric ballroom, uh, somebody uh, asked if I was interested in doing a punk rock show for satellite radio. And I had no clue what it was. I thought it was like an internet channel. You know, I wasn't sure what any of it was all about. Uh, but they, you know, I, I, you know, we talked finances and it was worth it for me to, to go up there once a week. So I went there and met with the people. As soon as I got off the elevator, I felt like I was in the Starship Enterprise. I mean, it was incredible. You know, um, I saw, you know, Meg, Meg Griffin and Carol and Pat St. John and all these radio jocks that I grew up listening to all kind of working up there. And I educated myself pretty quickly. And they've had me do so many different formats there. They hired me doing a punk show called The Punk Yard. And then uh, I was doing an alternative, 80s alternative channel. And then, uh, you know, I'm currently doing uh, Ozzy's Boneyard and, um, and Hair Nation. Yeah, so I've been doing that. I've been at Sirius since 2002. It's like almost 15 years already. Um, you know, the big thing on the movie, Let Me Down Hard, you know, winning two awards. That was great. You know, winning the Garden State Film Festival and the uh, Asbury Music and Film Festival. Uh, you know, Billy DeVizia, great director who I met after a Max's Kansas City reunion show that we played on. And ironically, that this guy lives a quarter of a mile from where I live. And he was telling me about this character of Jack Ainsley. And he said he's been trying to find this Jack Ainsley guy. And, I, and he says, you're going to be Jack Ainsley. And um, I read the script and I'm like thinking this dude's stalking me. Because, you know, I'm not that kind of guy, but, you know, I think everybody, when they see this film, if they, or have seen it, know that, you know, there's a little of Jack Ainsley in everybody. You know, there's uh, these choices that we're forced to make sometimes, and, you know, sometimes you make the right and the wrong ones. But, uh, you know, it took five years of filming, and to see it out there, and, like, people really are reciprocating and loving the, sh the movie is really rewarding. And the soundtrack... You know, being, uh, the label that I'm on and involved with, Mayman Records, so many great acts are on there, so, you know, it, it worked out perfectly. It, it, the soundtrack was seamless to the film. Frankenstein 3000 started, uh, I just, uh, there was a gig at the Saint uh, with Jesse Mallon, uh, with Degeneration, and Scott's like, hey, uh, you've been talking for years, and I was really just kind of bullshitting. Oh, I got this band on the side, and he's like, I'm going to give you a gig, and it was like three weeks away. I said, you know what, I'll take the gig, and I put some, uh, you know, players together that I work with, and that's how it started, and, you know, that was in probably 1997, 98, and, you know, one thing about our band, which I'm really proud of, is that we, we've done, like, eight or nine records, and we sell enough records to make a record every year. I mean, around this area, everybody expects them for free, but, you know, we've had quite a, quite a good history, and we're very fortunate. You know, we're not household names by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, we definitely do enough business that we can make records every year, and having that freedom is a, it's a blessing. It really is. A blessing.